the Prohibition exhibit, which is up now, will come down before we build the Bourbon Museum. The KDA is a sponsor of Prohibition, but at the end of 2017, Prohibition is coming down, and we are building. The way you said that makes it sound horrible. They're a sponsor of Prohibition. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Welcome back to another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and we've got Ryan here today, and we are on site, and we are actually drinking something today that was sent in by one of our listeners back, I believe it was episode 22, when we were just kind of going back and talking about look in the history of our past episodes and we threw a little Easter egg in there. Ryan, you want to remind everybody of the, the kind of Easter egg at the very end of the show we did? Yeah. So we entice people to go on uh, iTunes and do a, a review for the podcast and we would send you a free sample and the response was overwhelming. We got like 30 five-star reviews. I guess everybody was excited about the the lineup we were sending out, but um, yeah, I think it went well and um, I think we're going to do it again, right? I think we should at some point. That's I think it's a very good idea. Yeah, we got some promotional products, some 
koozie sticker something we can give our you know our biggest fans yeah, i think so too so we're actually sipping on something that josh menke sent us back uh he was he was actually so thrilled to be somebody that reviewed we sent him something and and he just wanted to do us a favor and send something back and so see he sent us back a Stranahan's Snowflake Pikes Peak 2014 Vintage. And we are here trying it right now. And I think it's uh, it's different, right? I mean, I think he sent it to us because he knows that we are, you know, Kentucky bred. Bourbon like, snobs. Very, very big bourbon snobs when it comes to like, you know, only anything Kentucky. But I'm surprised at how good this is. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I, it's, you know, we drink bourbon all the time. So it's good to change, change it up. I, I was a big fan of the Parker's Malt just because it, you know, you throw it in there and it's, it's different from what you're drinking, and I I think this does the same thing. For yeah, me. I think it. I think it's it's almost it's pretty pretty similar in that almost kind of taste and flavor profile too. You know, it's, it's pretty easy, right? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have a doesn't have like a very high rye kind of burn to it or anything like that. But well, cool. So let's go ahead and we will kick off the show. So today on the show we have Andy Trinan. Andy is the director of marketing at the Fraser History Museum. So Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. And if I knew you were going to bring me bourbon, we'd have done this months ago, right? <laughs> right. This is great. Thank you. Do it every week. It's uh, it's great to taste a different bourbon. This is the first time I've tasted anything in a long, long time from outside the state of Kentucky. Uh, but like you guys, I'm game to try some bourbon. Absolutely. <laughs> always got always to mix it up a little bit. So let's talk about something that we always do with all our, desk, our guests. So kind of talk about your introduction to bourbon. Where did it start? Well, um, I'm born and raised in Cincinnati and worked in television for 25 years before I came here to the Fraser. And when I was in Cincinnati, I started drinking. And I think a lot of people probably are introduced to bourbon through Maker's Mark. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a weeded bourbon, a little sweeter taste. So I would I would uh, cap off my long TV days with a Maker's Mark at the end of the day. And uh, so – and then I moved to Kentucky. I moved to Milwaukee and then Kentucky. And now – like I have forty different brands. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're everybody's craft bourbon. I want to try everything. I want to get my hands on everything. I want to be on the urban bourbon trail as an individual, not a bar. You know, with the fifty different brands. Um, so I, I like everything now. I, I like all the different things that people are bringing out. If I drink a Maker's Mark now, it's probably a Maker's Forty Six because your palate evolves a little bit. You like the French oak better. Uh, yeah, I like I like I like what the wood does to it. Nice. Uh, and adding the wood, the, those staves for the the next phase, the forty six. I know it took them a long time to get there because they were trying to get the perfect uh, blend, but I think they I think they nailed it. Awesome. So talk about what is the Fraser History Museum? I know people in Louisville. Well, they, I hope they know what it is. But for anybody that's outside of Louisville, talk about what the museum is. Well, this museum's really a new museum. The, the museum started in 2004. It was founded as an arms museum. Owsley Brown Fraser uh, of Brown Foreman is our original founder. It's the gentleman who gave literally about $300 million to the city of Louisville in one way or another. Fraser Rehab gave money to UofL, gave money to Bellarmine. He had some really cool stuff, and his friends talked him into starting a history museum. Most of those things were arms back in 2004, and we've got some, you know, we've got Teddy Roosevelt's big stick here at the museum. So he he basically was talked into opening a museum here uh, on Main Street, 
And what we like to do is we like to tell stories like you guys. We like to tell stories that matter to our visitors, that matter to Louisville, that matter to Kentucky, and that matter to the world. Uh, so that's what we do. We are a collection of permanent. We have a, cole- a world-class collection of permanent exhibits. We build um, exhibits that are up for a couple of years. We have occasional traveling exhibits. And uh, I know we'll get more into this. And as part of the reason we're talking, we're also building a bourbon museum. Well, let's go ahead and let's kind of talk about the exhibit that's here right now. Okay. Uh, Spirits of the Bluegrass, Prohibition and Kentucky is awesome. And we've gotten great response to it. We opened it at the end of October. Uh, And, you know, you talk about the Prohibition store. It's amazing that this happened in the last 100 years. People in this country voted, chose to go dry, you know. Insane to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you, you you get into the question of how something like that happened, and and we don't make any value judgments on anything. We tell stories, let it be as it is, and uh, so and how that happened. We've got a lot of text panels, a lot of information up about how it happened. The temperance movement was a very strong lobby, and let's be clear: what would you think that we consume more now than we ever have in this country? It's a good question. I would think so, but I guess. You're going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to say you're very savvy. 1830, Americans were consuming three times what they are right now. Keep in mind, the booze was safer than the water at the time. Right. Uh, it, but it was largely men and, and teenage boys that were consuming. So th- there was a lot of consumption. It was happening all day, every day, uh, and that kind of led to the temperance movement um, led by Kerry Nation, who's featured here, uh, Kerry Nation's father and first husband were terrible alcoholics, and she would go into a saloon with a hatchet and say, good morning, sir, destroyers of men's souls, and she would bash the place and bust it up. Uh, She was arrested like 40 different times. She's from Kentucky, did most of her damage in Kansas, Um, and and there was all kinds of propaganda about it, And, and at the time... It was after World War One, and the German sentiment, uh, there wasn't a lot of people supporting the Germans, and the Germans, they made beer, right? So there wasn't a real strong lobby at the time um, in support of the distillers and, and the folks who were making the product. The temperance movement had a very strong lobby, and that's part of how this happened and how America voted for prohibition, which, as we know, was a very— failed experiment and had a lot of unintended consequences. So let's talk some more about things that are actually in the exhibit, right? Okay. So so we talked about uh, that. We, we walked a little bit through. We saw Miss Bingham, uh, some of her things. Henrietta some, Bingham, yeah. yeah. And there's, there's some things about new history about what's happening in Kentucky for – uh, you know, whether the counties are wet or they're dry or they're moist or whatever you want to call it nowadays, right? Right, absolutely. Uh, Henrietta Bingham's who you were referring to there of the Bingham family on the Courier Journal. They own WHS, and she was she was like a character out of an F. Scott Fitzgerald novel, and she was uh, she spent a lot of time in Kentucky. Obviously, born here. Uh, and she spent time in New York and spent time in Europe, and she was a wild child. We've got uh, some of her artifacts, some of her things. Her niece found this stuff and was interested in her Aunt Henrietta and wanted to find out why nobody talked about Aunt Henrietta. So we have her traveling chest that she would go overseas with, and she pulled things out of there, and there's like a flask. It's a double-barrel <laughs> flask. It looks like— it's bigger than my head. Yeah, I mean, it is a monster <laughs> flask, and it and it, it tells the story, and there, there, there are stories of— um, her multiple lovers, both male and female. Um, it's fascinating. Uh, we, we do get into the contemporary question about, 
you know, we still have more counties in in Kentucky that are dry or moist than are actually wet. Um, Christian County, by the way, is wet, and Bourbon County is dry, <laughs> which is interesting. A little uh, fact tidbit for anybody that is yeah, going to be doing, yeah, and we visiting. and we get into you know the contemporary question. You, like that, does the government does the government have a role in these kind of things? Should the government be telling people in New York City they can't have a big soda? Uh, you know, limiting the amount of soda that you can drink. This is kind of what happened with prohibition, and we allow people to vote on that at the end of the exhibit. Contemporary question. I guess you could make parallels to organized crime, which started during prohibition. Make no right. mistake, organized crime started during prohibition. Al Capone, George Remus, all those people, and. Um, and marijuana, you know, and, and and what's happening today in Colorado, and the amount of tax tax dollars that's available to the government uh, when you get into that business. Well, and kind how of much talk is lost a, if you don't. Yeah, talk a little bit about you already said a little bit. Al Capone and George Remus, kind of what roles did they play during Prohibition? Well, it's it's fascinating because somebody benefits during Prohibition. Somebody's going to fill that void, and George Remus is is was one of the men who did that. He's from Cincinnati. And uh, he was one of the real premier bootleggers, and, and it's kind of how we ended up. Bourbon was still produced for medicinal purposes. There were six distillers here in Kentucky that kept their license for medicinal purposes. And he would buy and, and bootleg and produce, but he also owned pharmacies. So that was one of the distribution channels. And um, George Remus is the motivation for The Great Gatsby. Because uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald spent time in the military. He was in Louisville, and they met in the Rascaller at the Seelbach Hotel. Capone met, and uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald became fascinated with this man. And, and uh, the story is that he was motivated by that and got information from, and that's what he based The Great Gatsby on. Well, that's impressive. I, I think I thought The Great Gatsby was named after me, but maybe— <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep dreaming. Yeah, yeah, I know. I guess <laughs> keep so. drinking bourbon. It yeah, will be keep by Keep drinking. <laughs> yeah, so I guess— you know, why did they decide to do a prohibition here at the museum? I know with, you know, shows like Boardwalk Empire, uh, it's kind of brought the prohibition to light. And, you know, a lot of people are interested now in it. Yeah, there's no question. And, and part of the reason we decided to do it is, you know, who can tell the story better? Right. Who's more affected by it than the state of Kentucky? You could argue that the wine industry in California and the beer makers up to the uh, northeast. But we are one of the home bases for that story. We've got all these real artifacts from the time, from the from the, the raids and the guns that were used during the raids to the stills that were bashed up still with their with their marks in them. Uh, all of those things can be found. All the all the distillers and the medicinal bottles and some of the original prescriptions are in there. We've got um, I guess doctors made $40 million writing prescriptions for bourbon during Prohibition. And it wasn't just take two tablespoons of bourbon. It was take two tablespoons of Old Forester bourbon. It was specific <laughs> to the brand. Um, so we thought we could tell the story really well. And uh, our curatorial staff has done an amazing job. They have told the, told the story very well, and we're getting great response to the exhibit. So what do you think are some of those most prized possessions that you have at the current exhibit right now? Um. You know, it it varies from we've got a number we've got a number of cars that were used during Prohibition, and they were purported to be delivering milk and poultry and bread, but they were actually bootlegging trucks that ran through the hills of Kentucky. Uh, those are really cool. Um, we have a Tommy gun, which is which is neat, and in the first. 
bar, the first saloon area that you walk into, everything in there is authentic from pre-20s prohibition and from uh, saloon in that time. The difference would have been in all, we've got a mixed bag, Fairs Beer and Old Forester and all these different signs. The difference before prohibition, they would have never been on the same wall in the same bar because at that time, one company, so Budweiser, would have owned the bar. They didn't own the bar, but they were the provider for the bar. So all the glassware, all the product, all the signage would have been Budweiser at the time. And we've got this exhibit team here that built the front of the bar to match the back of the bar, which was a Prohibition-era bar during a speakeasy. So talk about the future of what this exhibit is going to mean in the future of, uh, quote-unquote, your relationship with the with the KDA, or the Kentucky Distillers Association. Yeah, that's crucial. And, and they are partners in this Prohibition exhibit, the Kentucky Distillers Association, and they are uh, integral partners and so important to this future bourbon museum. And uh, we have to have them because, you know, they bring in all the big distillers. Uh, you know, everybody's building their own thing, right? You know, right. Evan Williams is right across the street. Peerless is down there. Old Forester's building. Angel's Envy. Everybody's got their own thing. So we have to be in partnership, and we got to be very clever about how we do it, and we have to incentivize this experience to all of them because we need them. So what we are going to be is the initial stage, the launching pad for the bourbon trail uh, out into the county to all those bourbon tours. So how do we do that? We we come up with partnerships, and we, you know, these are examples. None of these are vetted out, but say we created decanter that's only available for purchase here. Uh, the only place you can get it. And then if you want to do something really cool for another X amount of dollars, if you care to, you can take it um, out to, um, you know, pick one. Take it out to Maker's Mark, and you can get it filled directly out of a barrel there. So it's one of those bourbon experiences that you guys know bourbon enthusiasts love. They want to yeah, they want to get something, yeah, that nobody else can get their hands on. Uh, so we've got to be real clever with creating all those partnerships with all the distillers and convincing them of how there's value in that for them. And they all have to be different. I think it makes sense that it's the starting point because when you go to each distiller, you learn each individual's story, but. You know, you can come here and kind of learn the whole gamut of stories and everything tied together before you kind of go seek out which ones you want to. Yeah, and this place is going to look very different. Make no mistake. It's it's not going to be – it's not going to feel like a museum. It's going to feel more like a hub. Yeah, you got a set. bar in there too. Yeah, there's going to be activity here. There's going to be the, the tours that are going to be starting here and ending here. Uh, we're gonna. It's going to be a very different experience with a lot more foot traffic, and we have all kinds of ways that, that we're going to make that happen. And you're right. All of the distillers tell their own story, and and they're 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 all true, uh, but they're all told through the Somewhat. lens of the distillers. Right? <laughs> they're all told through through the lens of of their historical perspective, and, and we're going to get into you know. Why Kentucky? Why you know the limestone, the water, the shipping, the river? How all those things and the, and. You know, everybody, everybody's telling the story of the bourbon barons, and we all know who they are, and it's still remarkable to me that the, the, the men who started this all lived within X amount of miles, and now we're responsible, for, you know, through all these years, 95% of the bourbon production in the world. But what about, you know, people who've worked, you know, out at one of these distilleries and their third generation working out there? And um, there are so many great stories that— uh, that we've determined can't be told anywhere else in the world other than right here. And how many things in Louisville, Kentucky can 
have that kind of, how many things can this city have that kind of a hold on and this state have that kind of a hold on? I mean, we love our bourbon. We love our basketball. We love our horse racing. You know? <laughs> For sure. So this puts us in that game, right? Absolutely. You know, because when, when convention business comes to town from Colorado or San Diego, Kentucky Derby is a pretty good brand. The Kentucky Derby Museum is a, is a great place to be. And, and Slugger Museum, you know, they've got a great brand. Um, and you can't even get into a Louisville Kentucky basketball game, so they'll play that game. So they now know, the world knows us as this bourbon producer, and this will be the place that they can come to learn about that story and why we are and, and how, we, how we roll. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase. And go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today, shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Talk about the expansion and some of the things that you'll be able to see in this, I don't know, you call it exhibit? Like, what are you going to call it? You know, it's, it's a great question because I struggle. It's it's bigger and better than an exhibit or an exhibition, um, but we will. It is not going to define the Fraser because we will still have all these world-class uh, artifacts, and we will still be a history museum, uh, but this will be a, uh, a magnet destination for bourbon tourism. Uh, and I've got my work cut out to me to figure out what to call it. I haven't, I'm not <laughs> going to commit to anything right now. We've got some ideas floating around. Um, but, it, you know, we, we now own some properties to the immediate right of this building, uh, and some of those will be repurposed, and part of the experience will be uh, either made better or lived through some of those buildings. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about history. You're probably gonna reuse some things about you know Al Capone and Remus and some of the newer history. Um, you talked about the limestone and the shipping, like any other things that that we're probably not hitting on. That well, yeah, some of the things mean, that we could talk about. How how great of entrepreneurs these people have been over the years, you know, and, and the recreation all the way back to uh, you know Brown Foreman being the first company to hey let's put it in a bottle. Everybody's going before that time. 
you know, everybody would go to the pub or they'd go to a barrel and they'd get a direct pour and you didn't know exactly what you were getting in there. And Brown Foreman said, let's let's put it in a bottle so people can see that it's pure, that it's clean, and then they can sell in mass levels to recreating themselves after the downturn in the 80s. And bourbon had to absolutely recreate itself. Bourbon had to recreate itself after Prohibition. How creative were entrepreneurs in that time, some of them shipping tens of thousands of barrels overseas because they had it produced, some of them finding a way to continue to produce for medicinal purposes, uh, all the way up to today's craft bourbon industry or, you know, um, the Samuels family going with the wax dip. I mean, all those things, these are not, you know, people who are just hanging out, you know, working in just bourbon production and just blue collar jobs. These are brilliant people who are finding a way to recreate their products. So that's one of it. Enchanted will be about the land, about Kentucky. The enchanted aspect will be about the the land of it. It's a refined product, although we are sitting here um, in my office on a Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock drinking bourbon. <laughs> it is a refined product. It's not something that's that for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that you enjoy by guzzling and consuming large quantities of. Uh, or maybe you, know, you do. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's no problem. Whatever with that. the quantity is, uh, <laughs> but you know, there there is a culture to it that uh, you know it it's generally you know a refined product and and the the KDA and the, and the Fraser and all every single distiller out there wants their product consumed, but they also want it consumed responsibly. Right. So sure. there's another thing that you kind of mentioned is that. You know, you're planning this expansion. You own some buildings. I think that were uh, I read were donated by the daughters of Mr. Frazier. And uh, we didn't really talk about the location. To talk about the location of where the Frazier is and how the build out and and how that's really uh, going to be affecting you know really the tourism of what's going to be happening in, in Louisville. Yeah, it's crucial. Uh, we're on Main Street. You know, yeah. 829 West Main Street, right here uh, on Main Street. We're right across the street from the Slugger Museum, for those who are familiar with the Big Bat. Um, this was Whiskey Row, um, and uh, many of our partners are recreating themselves. Old Forester's recreating themselves with the distillery right down the street. Um, and bourbon tourism is a thing, right? So much of a thing. Yeah, I think we had 700,000 visitors last year at all-time high. Yeah, 750,000 visits to uh, to distillers. Now, some of them visited more than one, probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Generally. So I don't know if it's 750,000 people, but it's a, it's a big number, make no mistake. And that doesn't even touch on what's happening on Main Street. So we think there are two different markets. There are the people who are, that's an investment in your time, your energy, and your money to go out to the distilleries. And we are going to make that experience 100% a possibility for everybody. But there's also this urban bourbon experience, which the, the distillers are all, Jim Beam's got a place at 4th Street Live now. Um, they're all building right here. So that might be a different audience. Now, for guys like you two and me, we're both. Right. You know, we'll take in both of those experiences. But some people come to town and they're here for a convention. They don't have time to go invest an entire day or two days. Yeah, because it's 100 miles, you know, 100 plus miles you're doing to see everything. So they'll have that experience right here on Main Street. And the city is very invested in it. The, the, the KDA is very invested in it. The CVB is very invested in it. In fact, the city just trademarked the term bourbonism. For the first time. So bourbon tourism, bourbonism is a trademarked uh, phrase by the city. Um, so, yeah, we think we're the per- in the perfect location and uh, for, for both the 
urban bourbon experience and for the bourbon experience out into the Kentucky counties. Oh, that's awesome. So let's talk about more about uh, the museum and some of the things that, that the events that you guys have been holding, right? We we heard, at least I read about the Old Forester Speakeasy series. Yeah. Kind of kind of talk about that and some of what are the next ones and kind of, you know, the amount of people that are showing up to these things. Yeah, it's been great. Um, and this is, this is audience development because, you know, I'm not going to lie to any of your listeners. We are a history museum and for some people, there's not an interest in just – if you put history – it doesn't matter if it's the Fraser History Museum or any other history museum. You put the history museum at, at the end of it, and they're not interested. Well, we're going to make people interested because we're going to get people in here through these audience development programs, and they're going to realize what a cool place it is and what kind of cool experiences that they can have here. So that was the concept behind the um, Old Forester Speakeasy series. We went to Old Forester. They're on board. They want to get young. They want to get hip. They want young people drinking their product. So we launched this four-part series. We did the first one uh, February 18th and didn't know exactly what kind of response we'd get, but young people know what a speakeasy is, and they know the flapper era. They know, And they came in droves. I was hoping for about 200 people. We had 420 people here, most of them 20s and 30s, all dressed up. We had Jay Michaels in here. They were doing hairstyles uh, at no cost to anybody. We had a guy in here uh, giving dance lessons for people, jazz dance lessons. We had Carly Johnson playing on the stage in the Speakeasy. Um, it, marketplace restaurant at Theater Square provided the food. Art Eatables was here. And people had a blast. You know, we did a survey monkey afterwards. Everybody had a good time. So we've got Three more of those coming up this year, and we just think they're going to get bigger and better. We've got to be creative about programming them, different kind of bands. Cirque Louis is going to be here next time. They're going to have we're going to have um, women hanging down from the silks, you know, a la pink from from like oh, yeah. the Grammys. We're, they're going to be around. Uh, Billy Goat Strut Review is going to be the band for that next one. Uh, so we're excited about what that holds. We've got somebody down there doing doing card tricks. Um, so the, the next one is June 17th. It's a Friday. It's the only in the series that's a Friday. The other ones are all Thursday nights. Um, and that's a Friday because it's part of the Bourbon Affair, uh, the KDA Bourbon Affair. And uh, so they have some play in it. And the, the day worked better for the uh, for the Bourbon Affair and, and uh, just made a deal with Swig yesterday. It's going to be a Swig event. Uh, so that's that's exciting, and then we've got one on a Thursday night in August and a Thursday night in October. So we encourage anybody that wants to come check out the Fraser, get dressed up, come on down, drink some bourbon. There's a signature cocktail, Old Forester Jackie's Eye Can, their master bourbon oh, specialist, yes. is making. She's a guest on the show. Yeah, she's making. Yeah, I saw that when I was doing <laughs> some research. She's making a signature go- cocktail for all of the four events, and you can come. In the last one, we allowed people to make their own. You know, they got to squeeze their own grapefruit and mix their own cocktail. Um, I think there are two signature cocktails for the next one. So, uh, you know, that's another one of the things that people get to experience. So we're, we're excited about it. So I, is it just a just a big party? People can just come and they just dress up and kind of just mingle? Is that, is that the whole premise of it? Right on. Yeah, there's music. There's good fu- good music, good food, and good bourbon. And what else makes a good party? <laughs> you know, and we program all the other stuff around it. And we had a we had a contest to see who was the best dressed for the last one. I honestly, guys, I was expecting, you know, 20 people, maybe 10 different couples. There were like 130 people that lined up when we called for the contest. And I was like, oh, shoot. (laughs) How am I going to judge this thing? So then I like convened a group of people and we, you know, we found a system quickly to go through and let the crowd be a part of 
you know, facing people out. Uh, it was just fun. You know, it was fun. Do you have to have a ticket or how do you have yeah, to get Yeah, it's a ticketed in? event. Okay, cool. um, the uh, And we will t- – their tickets will be on sale for this next one um, starting uh, the end of this week. So uh, through um, most of the end of April, May, and June, you can buy a ticket to the next uh, Speakeasy. Nice. And it looks like price is $35. So it's $35 a, for the next Very. one. Now, and that's – and I'll be completely honest with you. That's the last one was a fifteen dollar affair. Um, this is part of the KDA, uh, part of the the bourbon affair, and that's why it's a slightly higher ticket. So we're just going to provide more value for that ticket. Uh, and then we don't know what the ticket. We'll probably fall somewhere between for the last two twenty twenty five bucks for the August and the October event. But this next one. Pressure's on us. We got to blow it out and make people uh, have a great time. We might do drinks on the roof. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen our roof. Oh, it's one of the best. Here. It's one of the best yeah. views in the city. Uh, so we might provide a cocktail hour on the roof. We we uh, we got to set we the gotta. bar higher and higher. Amen. Kenny, tell Lauren clear calendar. We'll, we'll get we'll go down. Yeah, we, yeah, we got to have you guys come down for it. We'd love to have you. We can make that happen. So for anybody else that's listening, so you got Friday, June seventeenth is the next one during the Bourbon Affair. Then you got Thursday, August eighteenth, and then Thursday, October twentieth. So go ahead and start planning your trips to Louisville now. Yeah, and, and I, like you talked about in the Museum Row and everything, and it, with Old Forester and Angels Envy and Evan Williams is already here. Jim Beam's building. I think. Louisville's such a, a hidden gem, I think, throughout the U.S. I mean, there's tons of great restaurants. The bourbon, I think, is going to draw people here, but mm-hmm. it's really to come to Museum Row. It's it's going to be a destination, really. You know, absolutely. And and and, the, and those folks are all partners. You know, some would say, "Oh, isn't Evan Williams? You know, aren't they competition?" We go to the same trade shows with them. I've, I've got three partnerships with them. They've had parties. They've had several parties in our speakeasy. They have a speakeasy. We might be starting a speakeasy tour. You know, it's 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 the great thing about this bourbon industry that um, that you guys know by now. But like everybody believes that a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, mm-hmm. so if you become a fan of bourbon, you're really a fan of bourbon. There are very few people out there who are completely loyal to one brand. So that's that's the KDA. You know, they understand that they want people to. Sample, taste, try, consume bourbon. And then once you do, you'll be interested in more bourbon and more bourbon. So we're, it's the same thing in our partnerships with people here on Main Street. You know, there's a museum row on Main uh, partnership with all the museums here uh, on what was, you know, Whiskey Row down the street. And we got partnerships through the KDA, uh, through the Convention and Visitors Bureau, Um you know, we're we're just trying to get more people to come down because we know that when they when they do, they're going to have a great time. That's awesome. Absolutely. So the uh, we're going to kind of wrap this up a little bit. So a lot of our listeners they go to the Bourbon Trail because and they kind of visit a lot of things that they had never heard of about unless it was for our podcast, right? So hopefully we can get some more people to kind of come and check out the Prohibition exhibit while it's still up before we've got. What, I think I read twenty eighteen is kind of when you're starting to move on to those next steps. So there's plenty of time to go and do it. So anybody that is going to be coming to the to Louisville to kind of maybe hopefully check out the Fraser Museum, uh, how much are tickets? Like, how much does it cost for them to kind of come in and just be able to check out the exhibit? General admission is $12. And uh, if you're a savvy uh, tourist, uh, you can probably find our rack cards in any place, uh, any other tourist destination uh, or at visitor centers, which would get you a $2 discount on that $12 nice. admission. 
Uh, just look Mention at those. the name Bourbon Pursuit when you yeah, count. Exactly. Yeah, you guys do whatever. We'll, we'll code it and track these uh, track these folks. But yeah, there's a, there's a little coupon in the back of those. You can get in at a two dollar discount. Um, and you know, and and you also there's a real value in membership here. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna come to multiple events. You might as well just go ahead and become a member of the Fraser Museum because you're going to get in, you're going to save money. Membership's a value proposition, but then you're going to get messaged about all of our events going on. Um, you're going to get to do those cocktails on the roof type things, those exclusive experiences that members get that uh, that the regular visitors might not get. That's awesome. So if, uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Well, you can contact me right here at the Fraser History Museum. Um, you can find me at uh, A Trinan, A T R E I N E N, at FraserMuseum.org. Send me an email. Um, I'd give you my cell phone, but I don't want to go quite there. <laughs> no, it's okay. I wouldn't either. <laughs> he can send you those $2 coupons. Yeah. <laughs> well, Andy, thank you again for being on the show today. This was uh, fantastic to understand more about it. I had the opportunity to go and actually see the exhibit, I'd say probably a few months ago. And when I was there, I was putting all kinds of pictures on Instagram. So anybody that uh, wants to kind of see some of the things that are at the exhibit, go ahead and check out our Instagram page. Yeah, it's a really cool exhibit. I remember reading about it a few months ago in the Courier Journal about the partnership with KDA and the and the Prohibition site. And I, I just think it totally makes sense. You know, everything is coming to Main Street. It's happening here. And why not start off, you know, your bourbon destination here at the Fraser Museum and get, you know, the whole the whole picture of how this all came together. So I I think it's a really cool event and or I mean not event, but place to come visit. So, so we always talk about when we go and talk to distilleries and you do a, a tour, it's always like, Oh, you, you hear about everything from the grain to the production of the bourbon, right? But there's this whole other thing that sometimes you might forget about, which is the history of it. Why did it even happen? Why are we even here? Why why does everybody search for pre-prohibition bottles and they actually want to try to drink them, right? Like, what are these? What, why do we want to search for those kind of things, right? So I think it's a, a pretty awesome thing that you guys are doing here. Well, we appreciate you guys coming in, and anytime you want to come back, you can come on in as my guest. <laughs> We'd love to have beers. you. Well, yeah, if you're going to bring bourbon, I mean, you can come tomorrow. We can do this again, right? <laughs> for sure. Daily show. You know, bi-weekly. We don't want to push things. Right. Happy hour. <laughs> Happy hour with Andy's. All right. Well, thank you so much. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bourbon Pursuit. You can also like us on Facebook. Uh, you can, it's facebook.com slash bourbon pursuit. Yeah. And uh, any uh, show suggestions, uh, feedback, we'd love to hear from you guys. And, and, if, was, you wanna, and show, if you want to send us more samples, we'll, we'll yeah, take those as well. Definitely so. do that. This, this show was a show suggestion. So uh, once again, thank you to everybody that does send in emails uh, to try to get we us. We do in. listen. We do listen. And one more thing, guys. Actually, if you would like to send samples, 829 West Main Street, Andy Trinan at the Fraser History Museum. I'll take that, too. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. So thank you again, Andy, and we will see you all next time. 